Hey, listen, a uh, few um, months ago, uh, Sandy and I went to, uh, over to Dallas. We went over to Dallas and we were going to do a little bit of shopping. And so preparing for the shopping uh, moment or the shopping time we were going to have together, I said, Sandy, where, where do you want to go? She said, well, one of the places I want to go is that I want to go to the Ikea store. And so I said, well, that's great. That sounds good. You know, I'm kind of familiar with Ikea. She said, there's just a couple of things that I want to pick up. Just every keyword, what is a couple of things, right? And so, so we go over to Dallas. We, you know, we go out to eat and had a great time. And then we get up the next morning. So we're going over to Ikea. And when I pulled up there, I was absolutely shocked at the size of this thing. I mean, it is, a, it is not a store. It's a complex. I mean, it's just massive. And so we... we, we, we this, Again, this is our first time there. And so we get out, we, we walk inside, and we walk inside. We were warmly greeted. I mean, they did a great job greeting you when you came in, and it was very impressive. And so the lady, young lady that greeted us asked, that she said, um, have you ever been here before? And I said, we said, no, this is our first time. She said, well, welcome. Here's where everything's at. Here's how this works. And she pointed at, at these lines that went through some doors, and you could tell it kind of went on, you know, through um, towards the rest of the shopping area. And it had arrows, and she made this statement. She said, stay on the path until you get to the end. Stay on the path until you get to the end. And I thought, I'm going to preach that one day. That's a great message. But <laughs> we were there to shop. I, so so, so we, we started, we're, we're going along, and, and, and it became pretty evident that we weren't there just to pick up a couple of things. We were there to pick up a few things. And so, so Sandy, you know, she said, John, she said, uh, would, would you just go back and get, get a, a buggy? And I said, Sandy, no, no, we can't do that. The lady said, stay on the path until we get to the end. We can't go backwards. We got to keep moving forward. And she said, John, go get a buggy now. And so I went and got a buggy. And, and so, uh, uh, at the end of the day, we stayed on the path, filled that buggy up and we got to the end. And when I left there, I thought, you know, that's, uh, shopping in Ikea and walking out God's plan for our life is very similar. Shopping in Ikea and walking out God's plan for our life is very similar. And here's the similarity. I can go a lot of different ways, but this is the one that I want to go with. Here's the similarity. That, that God has a path for us to get on. And we're called to stay on that path until we get to the end. Can somebody say amen to that? Let me read a scripture to you that really uh, ties in with that. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. Stop right there. What the Apostle Paul is talking about, specifically where it says, He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. He's talking about the new birth. He's talking about being born again. Is there anybody here at Life United, Lake Charles, that's thankful that we can be born again? Come on, somebody. Second uh, uh, Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man be in Christ, he is... Not going to be. He is a new creation. Old things have passed away and everything has become what? New. That's the new birth. So that, that's talking about salvation. That's talking about the moment that we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. But here's, here's the part that I, I want to really focus on for just a moment. Because Paul didn't stop with the new birth. He went on with the second thought in Ephesians 2.10. He said he's, he's made us anew in Christ Jesus. Watch this. So we can... So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. 
So he talked about, number one, we're born again. But then he took the next step. He said the reason that we're born again is because God has a plan. And that, a plan, that plan was established a long time ago. As a matter of fact, the scripture tells us that before the foundations of the world, before we ever entered into our mother's womb, God had a plan for our life. But here's what happens often in, in, in modern Christianity, especially the Western version of Christianity, is that we get saved, we get born again, and we're like, oh, that's it. I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm going to heaven. If I died right now, I know that I would go to heaven. If Jesus came back right now, I know that I would go to heaven. But, but listen to me. Uh, listen, a relationship with God is not just about what God has done for you. Can I have a better amen than that? Because if it's just about what God can do for us, then it's really not a relationship. Imagine this, if, you, if you're married, or you may be married this morning, and, and it, was, it was just about one spouse and about what, what that one spouse could do for the other spouse, and that's all that it was. Or maybe you have a friend, and, 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 and the relationship is this. You've got a friend, but, but it's, it's, it, the relationship is not about what that friend can do for you or what that pr- friend can give into the relationship. It's all about what you can give the friend. That's not much of a relationship, is it? Is it? And so often, that's the way that we approach our relationship with God. It's just, God, what can you do for me? But Paul again said, he said um, uh, that, that God saved us so he could do some great things for him. And so salvation is about what God has done for us. But listen, listen, God's plan, or we could say it this way, God's path, the path that God has established for us to walk on, it's really about what we can do for him. So on this path, this path that we're talking about, doing what God has called us to do, there are many blessings. How many in the house likes blessings? Is anybody here that likes the blessings of God? Is anybody here? Well, there's about three of you that like the blessings. It's okay to like the blessings of God. Amen. It's okay. Some of you are like, I don't know why I should raise my hand or not on that one. But, but it's true. There are many, many blessings that come from, from being born again, from being on this path that God has called us to live on. It's the, most, it's the best life. It's the most blessed life that you would ever uh, you could ever experience i believe the greatest blessing that comes from walking on this path is just that walking on the path because it's on that path that you're going to be the most fulfilled it's on that path that you're going to have a sense of purpose and destiny that your life really counts because often in and again in christianity we, we're living this life we're born again but like there's something missing has anybody ever been there? You looked at your life, you look at your walk with God, and you're like, yeah, it's all good, but there's still, there's something missing. Well, that something often is the fact that, the, 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 the something often is the fact that, that we're, 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 we're looking just for the blessings, which they should be there, and we want those, but also the blessing that comes from, you know what, I know I am in God's plan, I am on this path, and I'm doing what He has called me to do. Amen? That's fulfillment, and that's where the great that's really what the greatest blessing is. So there are a lot of blessings on this path, but also, everybody listen to me, there are a lot of battles. There are a lot of battles on this path. That's the reason Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 and 14. He said, be on guard. Watch this part. Stand firm in the faith. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous, be strong, and do everything with love. Do everything with love. But also he said what? Stand firm what? In the faith. 
That means there are times in our life and walking with God that there are battles that will present themselves. Listen to me. And it's in those moments that as God's children, we can't run. We don't need to bow. We don't need to back up. We need to learn to stand firm. Can somebody say amen to that? I I believe God is saying that to the church today. For Christians to stand up, stand firm, don't bow, don't quit, stand up and fight. Well, everybody look at me. Because God's children win. God's children win when we determine that we're going to stand up. And we're going to fight the fight of faith. And we're not going to give in. We're not going to give up. And and so, so the question is this. Then why should we stand? Why is it that big of a deal? Why does the Bible talk so much about standing? Well, here's, here's a big reason. When we stand, we're the most like Christ. When we take a stand, when we stand up, standing strong in the faith, that is when we are the most like Christ. Let me give, give you a few examples of why this is true. Number one, Christ stood his ground when the enemy came to tempt him. In other words, when he walked into the wilderness and he was there for 40 days and 40 nights and then the enemy came and began to tempt him. Do you know what Jesus did? He didn't run. He didn't shrink back. He didn't go, oh my goodness, it's the devil. You know what he did? Did He stood up and he resisted the temptation. And you know what happened? The Bible says that the enemy left him. What? For a season, but what did he do? He left because Jesus stood. Let me say this about the enemy. We should respect the enemy, but uh, we should not be afraid of him. We should have respect in the sense of the dude is pretty persistent. And he is not dumb. He's not going to walk through the front door and go, I am the devil and I'm here to steal, kill, and destroy. Will you let me in your life? No, he's not going to do that, right? That's just not the way it works. Uh, but, but, but Jesus stood. That's what Jesus did. Here's, what, here's something else that Jesus did, talking about standing. Jesus stood for others. He stood his ground against the enemy, but there are other places, as you'll see, that he stood for others. One of the greatest examples of that is when Jesus was teaching in a synagogue one day, and there were people all around him. They were wanting to hear what Jesus had to say. And he, Jesus was rudely interrupted by a group of Pharisees that brought this woman in that had been caught in adultery. And they, they, Jesus is teaching along. People are listening. They're just, they're just tuned into what Jesus is saying. And uh, uh, some of the Pharisees were like, hey, Jesus, we caught this woman in adultery. In the act, we, we want to add. I, I would be like this. I would be like, well, where's the dude? Why, why didn't you bring him in with that? That's maybe another story. But, but, but they, they wouldn't let him go. Uh, they wouldn't let him uh, continue ministering. They, they were just continued to interrupt him. And finally, Jesus just stopped. He said, all right, if you want to go down this road, I'll go down this road with you. He stopped and he uh, basically showed mercy and grace to this lady. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't condone her sins. He didn't say, hey, it's okay in regards to what your lifestyle has been like. But he showed mercy by standing for her, writing a few things in the ground, some things that the Pharisees didn't like. They left, and the, 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 the mercy that Jesus shown, the way that Jesus stood for this woman, was to say this, look, go and sin, no what? More. He didn't condemn her. 
He didn't just point out and say, you, you point out, point out, you know, what she had done. He just gave her mercy and gave her grace, but also gave her direction in regards to how to walk, uh, walk away from that. Everybody look at me. It is important for us in the body of Christ to learn to stand for other people. Because, uh, uh, you know, often what happens is if a brother or sister in Christ fails or they fall or they fall short, why is it that we have a tendency just to kind of kick them sometimes when they're down? I I think it would be good if we would learn this about a little compassion, a little grace, a little mercy. So when somebody does fall or when somebody does take a misstep, that that we don't condemn them, we don't condone their sin, but we don't condemn them either. But we say, hey, let, let me help you walk out of this lifestyle that you've been a part of. Can somebody say amen? You may say, well, I don't want to do that. I mean, I don't have time for that. Well, everybody listen to me. What if you were in that place? Or it would be good to have sown a seed and to help somebody else because one day you may be in that place. Can I have a better amen than that? Jesus stood for people. But if you want to be the most like Christ because Christ stood, here's the one. Here's the one that you want to do. Here's the one that you want to be like. Jesus stood to serve. Just hours before Jesus was to go to the cross, Jesus had gathered with his disciples for the very last time before he would go to the cross. It's called the Last Supper. And, and so, so Jesus is there with the disciples and, and, and they're, they're, they're talking. And then, then, and then look, what, look what Jesus did here in John chapter uh, 13. I'm going to read verses 4 and 5. This is out of the message. It says, Jesus knew the Father had put him in complete charge of everything, that uh, he came from God and he was on his way back to God. Watch this. So watch what Jesus did. So he got up from the supper table. So Jesus is with the disciples and, and Jesus is talking. He knew it, he was at the end, towards the end. And he, he gets up from the table. And I love what Jesus does next. He didn't stand and tell them about what's to happen again per se. But he just stands up, watch this. And he stands up from the supper table. He set aside his robe and he put on an apron. Do you know why he did that? It says it in the next verse. It says, then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the feet of the disciples, drying them with his apron. Jesus, everybody listen to me. Jesus stood to serve. And because Jesus said, I didn't come to this planet to, to be served, but I came to do what? I came to what? I came to serve. I came to make a difference. I came to do something that, that was not just about me. As a matter of fact, if, if you're interested in being Christ-like, the most Christ-like thing you can do is to serve. Can somebody say amen to that? Not just to be served, but look to make a difference. That's the reason we have Discover here at Life United. It's because we want people to know we will help you step into a place to serve so that you can make a difference. And when you do that, that is when you are the most like Jesus. Here's another reason to stand. uh, Standing inspires. Standing inspires people. Standing creates inspiration. And, And I don't know about you today, but we need believers to stand and inspire. You know why? Because inspiration equals influence. Inspiration equals influence. When someone is inspired by something that you do, what happens is you have the chance to influence them. There's no greater example than this than than with David. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, you know the story well. David went that day to defeat Goliath, but he didn't go to defeat Goliath to show what kind of a great warrior he was. 
The reason that he stood that day is because he wanted the reproach that was upon Israel to be taken off. He didn't, couldn't stand the fact that a Philistine, somebody that wasn't even on God's side, was, was bullying God's people. And so when he stood against Goliath and he overcame Goliath, do you know what happened? The men of Israel, the army of Israel that had been running, that had been bowing to the pressure of Goliath. Do you know what they did? Watch what happens in 1 Samuel chapter 17. It says the men of Israel and Judah rose up and called out and went after the Philistines. In other words, they ran after what they were running from. Why? What David did, David's stand inspired them to do what? To move and to run and to do something that they couldn't do on their own. Can I have a better amen than that? How many believes, how many believes that it's God's will for God's people to stand and inspire others? L- listen to me. Today, in the, the environment that we're in in America, it is a perfect time. It is a beautiful time for God's people to shine. Because here's what's been happening. It's like we've been living in a bubble. And we're living in this bubble and and it's it's almost like uh, craziness is happening, but we're just kind of sitting down. Craziness is happening, but but we're just we're just not saying much as the church. Everybody look at me. It is time for God's people to get out of the bubble to stand up because the world needs some godly inspiration. (laughs) But here's the question. Here's the question. How do we stand firm in our faith? How do we do that? How do we stand firm in, 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 our, in our faith? Well, here's, here, here's, here's how. I've got to move through this pretty quickly. Go back to the book of Daniel. That's where this series is really based out of. Go back to the book of Daniel. And what you'll find is you'll find God's people have been conquered by the Babylonian ruler by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, he was really known for his time as one of the great rulers of that time in, in that, in that part of the world. And so he had conquered God's people and God's people found themselves in an environment that was completely contrary to theirs. For example, the Babylonians were polytheistic, meaning that they worshiped a lot of different gods. Well, God's people, how many knows that's not how God's people rolled? <laughs> In other words, we don't, we don't worship just a bunch of different gods. We only worship what? One God. The first of the Ten Commandments says there will be no other what? God's what? Before me. And so they were in an environment, they were in a culture that was completely different. And, and in this chapter, excuse me, in this book, there are a couple stands that are absolutely legendary. One is a, is a gentleman by the name of Daniel, but he stood and he found himself in a lion's den. But you know what? Everybody listen to me. God, God rescued Daniel. There was another legendary stand that was made by three boys, three Hebrew boys named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, and so what happened was Nebuchadnezzar said, hey, I got this great idea. We're going to create another God. It's this big idol that we're going to put out on the plane. And, and I, we're going to get all the leadership together. And we're going to um, give a signal. And when I give the signal, everybody's going to bow and worship this idol. So he gathered the leadership of which Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were part of that leadership. I mean, they weren't just servants or slaves in that environment. They were places of influence. And so they walked out on the plane that day. The signal was given and everybody hit their face. Except three Hebrew boys. 
What did they do? They decided, we're going to stand. They made the decision, we're going to stand up. We're not bowing because our God says not to bow. Everybody remember that? Their stand was legendary. You know what happened? They, they were persecuted. They went into the fiery furnace. But how many knows what happened when they went into the fiery furnace? God again spared them. God caused them to overcome. And you know what happened on the other side of the fiery furnace? They went to a higher place of influence. That is how God works. That's why as God's people, we've got to determine in our heart that we have got to stand. We will stand because God wants us to be at a higher place of influence in the world than we are currently in today. And so the question is this, how do we stand? They stood and we can learn a lot about how they stood. Here's, here's, here's one of the things that we can learn about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Here's one of the things. When we have got to understand that it's important that we stand in the identity that God has given us. The first thing that, Shad, that uh, Nebuchadnezzar did when he, when he captured uh, the Israelites and he began to gather the leadership that, uh, that he was going to use uh, from the, the children of Israel, the first thing he did is that he began to change their names. Did you know that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not the Hebrew names that were given them? No, they were Babylonian names. The, the actual, their actual names uh, was uh, Hananiah, Mishal, and Ezra, which were their Jewish heritage. That was their spiritual heritage. You see, one of the first things that the enemy loves to do is that he loves to place another label on you. He loves to place another identity on your life. Because as long as your identity is based on anything other than who he says that you are, you will bow every single time. But Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, they determined that we will not allow somebody else's label to affect our stand. We will not allow somebody else's um, uh, placement of a name on us change who we are. And how many of you know today that in the culture we're living in, we are constantly pressured to be somebody uh, other than who God has called us to be? Sometimes it can be uh, people's opinion can sort of change our identity. Sometimes it can be cultural pressures or our political positions. Oh my goodness. The last thing we need as far as our identity is for our identity to be established from our political position. Can somebody say amen to that? We don't need that because God won't honor that identity, but he'll always honor the identity that he's called us to live. That's the reason that Paul said in Ephesians 6, 13, he says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day and having done everything to do what? To stand what? Firm. So we have to stand in our identity. Why? Because that's what works. It worked for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and it can work for us today. Can somebody say amen to that? And here, here's, another, here's another thing that we can do that we see in their lives. They stood for God. Everybody listen to me. And we need to learn to stand for God. That we're going to stand for God. We're going to stand for God's purpose. We're going to stand for God's standards. We're going to stand for God. But, but listen, listen to me very closely. Standing for God means this. It means standing for God. It's not complicated. It means what? To stand 
for what or who? God. Listen, standing for God is not attacking what you're against. Standing for God is not attacking what you're against. Standing for God is not proving that others are wrong. In other words, it's, I have never seen anybody or anyone refute someone into changing their life. In other words, I'm going to argue you and I'm going to wear you down until finally you believe the way that I believe. The Bible says, as a matter of fact, the Bible says it's the goodness of God that will draw men to repentance. I'll never forget uh, several years ago, Sandy and I were in um, San Antonio. We were down just, uh, I think this was back in the mission days. And we were traveling and, and, and um, speaking in, in a couple different churches there. So we decided to go down to the Riverwalk, right? So we're, we're down at the Riverwalk and it is, it is awesome down there. We're just great food, man. It was just awesome. So we're walking along. And as we're walking along, I could see these guys. They were kind of over on the side of the street, kind of on the street corner. And I could see one of them. They were just doing this, you know, to this, this person that they had kind of cornered. And so I, I'm walking. I realized what they were doing. They were street witnessing. <laughs> and so I saw them and I thought, oh, I think I'm going to go this way. I'm going to kind of go around them a little bit. So I did. You know, I, I saw them and I had the girls were smaller then. And I'm kind of walking this way, kind of looking over here like, look, kids, look at this over here. And then brother saw me and he cut me off. So he came across the street and when he got across the street, he came up to me and he said, Hey man, uh, if you died, where would you go today? And I said, Hey, I love Jesus. I'm saved. I'm born again. If I died right now, I know I'm going to heaven. It's all good, man. I promise you it's great. And I thought, well, that's going to be the end of discussion. He knows I'm saved and everything's good. Everything's great. And then (laughs) it's so funny. It wasn't funny, but it was funny. But anyway, so, so he said, "Well, well, when do you believe Jesus is going to come back? And on the inside, I'm like, you got to be joking me, man. I suppose you know, I suppose you have a certain relationship with God that even Jesus doesn't have because Jesus doesn't even know when he's going to come back. And I said, you know what? I'm not sure when he's going to come back. All I know is that I'm going to be ready when he comes back thinking that's going to be the end of the discussion. Now, meanwhile, 46 people have walked by that could be going to hell, right? And he's arguing, he wants to argue over these things. Listen to me. That's not how we do it, guys. It's not just attacking things that we're against. It's standing for God because the goodness of God draws people to repentance. Can somebody say amen? We've got to stand together. If you go back and you read the account when David stood, and I'm I'm about to wrap up here. When David stood, excuse me, when Daniel stood... When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego Abednego stood in the book of Daniel, um, when they stood uh, and spoke to Nebuchadnezzar, you can can see what their hearts were like. Because when they said, they they didn't say, I'm not going to bow. You know what they said? They said, we won't bow. We won't give in. We're not going to hit our face, Nebuchadnezzar. You can do whatever you want to to us, but we will not bow. Do you know what they were saying? We're in this thing together. Everybody listen to me. If you try to win battles on your own, you will bow every time. But if you choose to have strong, God-built, God-established relationships, 
You know what's going to happen? You'll be able to stand every single time. Because you have somebody beside you that says, you know what? I refuse to allow you to bow. I love you too much to allow you to back up and back away from God's best for your life. You need somebody around you to say, hey, that is not who God says that you are. Let me remind you of who God says that you are. We have got to have each other. That's the reason that church is so much more than just church. Church is an opportunity for people to build relationships so that we can be blessed together, but so we can also stand together. Here's the last, here's the last thing that I want you to see. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they stood courageously. In other words, what they did was legendary. The courage that you saw in them was amazing. And I know you you may go, well, I'd have done the same thing. If I were in their place, I would have done the exact same thing. Well, that's because you know the end of the story. Right? You you know the end of the story. But, But listen to me. The reason that they stood is that they knew that they didn't stand alone. They knew that God had their back. And they said, look, King Nebuchadnezzar, we're not going to bow. We would rather die. We would rather lay it all on the line, and we would rather die than bow. Because we know that our God is able to deliver us. But even if he doesn't, but even if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow. They stood what? They stood courageously. You know why? Because they knew there was someone that stood with them. It was God. And listen to me. If they died, (laughs) it was good. If they lived, it was good. I was talking about this not long ago and one of our staff members came up to me. It was the next day. Because I'd made the statement, I'd say, you know what? I don't understand why as Christians, we're afraid to lay it all on the line, even if it cost us our life. Because either way, we win. If we die, we go to heaven. If we, if we live, we stay here walking out God's plan. You can't lose. And this staff member came up to me and she said, you know, Pastor John, I heard what you said, but I just don't get it because... There's something about the fear of death that just scares me. And I said, what about death scares you? She said, I don't know. I don't know if it's just the process of it happening. I don't know. And I said, look, you don't have to be afraid of anything. You don't have to be afraid of death. Because if you die, you win. And whatever it is on this earth that you were living for, what you'll be living in in heaven swallows it up. It won't even be able to compare. So we can stand courageously because we know we don't stand alone. This is my third wrap up. There's one place in the scriptures that there was another young man that stood. His name was Stephen. Remember that? Acts 19, I think it is. Stephen, that doesn't sound right. Acts 19 doesn't sound right. Acts 7. No, that didn't sound right. So Acts 7, um, Stephen stood, and it wasn't a popular stand. 
And it came to the point where his own people turned on him. Jews turned on him. And they began to stone him. To kill him. Someone said this one time. I thought it was funny. They, they heard the word stone. And they were thinking like stone. Like well, like at least he would get a little relief. And they're like no no this is like rock stoned you know. And so they're stoning him. And he looks up and he has a vision. And he sees Jesus. At the right hand of God. But this time, Jesus is not seated at the right hand of God, as you see in most of the scriptures. At this time, Jesus was standing. Do you know why? Because he saw Stephen stand. And when Stephen stood, Jesus stood and said, that's one of mine. He's one of mine. And when he stands, what? I stand. When you as a believer, when you take a stand, it may feel like that you're standing all alone. But I can tell you, there's somebody else that's standing with you. And his name is Jesus. And when Jesus stands with you, listen to me, you cannot lose. You can't lose. So what's God saying this evening, this morning? God is calling his people to stand, to lay it all on the line and say, I don't care what happens. I'm not going to let culture pressure me into bowing. I'm not going to let circumstances of life pressure me into bowing. I'm not going to allow any of those. I'm standing because I know that Jesus stands with me. Amen.